it feels good in the house of the Lord. There's victory behind your shout. There's victory when you praise God. Prison walls fall, shackles come off, and everybody gets loose. You might as well give God some praise tonight. Amen. How many likes would they feel in the house of the Lord here tonight? Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. It's so such an honor to be in the house of the Lord here tonight. We're getting ready to bring the preacher to the pulpit, uh, but I want to I want to reiterate a few of the announcements. Let's not forget this Friday night uh, at 8 p.m. right here at the church, 7:30 for prayer, 8 o'clock for service. Uh, we've got people from all over. Uh, different churches are coming. Uh, now I know it's a youth event, uh, but the service is for everybody. Now the after stuff. Uh, they're going to party. They're going to have fun while the, while the rest of us go to sleep. Uh, but we want to encourage you and, and each of you uh, to come to the house of the Lord and uh, to be ready for a move of God. And let's come support uh, the young people and support the church as well as the preacher as he preaches. Amen. And uh, let's remember to do that. Also, as we have continued wonderful prayer we had last night, thank you for coming and joining with us in prayer. I believe that when the church prays, uh, great things happen. Amen. God answers prayers. Anybody ever had a prayer answered? Hallelujah. Jesus put it this way, though. You have not because you ask not. And so the fact that we came together, we asked. I, I'm expecting something great to happen. Uh, but with that being said, we are going to continue. Uh, if you can fast between uh, this, this next week, the next seven days, if you could fast one day, one meal, uh, whatever the case may be, whatever you are able to do, can you lift up your hand? Amen. Maybe it's Monday, maybe it's Tuesday, maybe it's Tuesday lunch, whatever the case may be. Praise God. I think we've got great participation there. And what we're doing is we're praying and we're fasting for a move of God. Amen. Praise God. Now, here's another one we're going to add to it. If you can invite somebody, at least one person between now and next week to the house, or hand them a church card, talk to them, send them a text message, a phone call, a Facebook, Instagram message, would you lift up your hand? Can you invite one person? Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm excited for what the Lord's doing and what he's already done. How many enjoyed that service on Sunday? Amen. Praise God. God was touching people. Brother Claiborne preached the word of the Lord, and we're believing that God's going to do something through his ministry this entire month, uh, but we're looking forward to tonight. Amen. How many needs to hear a word from the Lord? Amen. Why don't you lift up your hands and let's pray together as the man of God comes. Let's lift up our voices as he comes and takes this pulpit in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we do that just a little bit higher, just a little bit louder to Jesus? Amen. Come on, if he's been good to you. He's worthy of the praise just because of his goodness. Amen. Jesus, we lift our hearts, our hands, our eyes to you, Jesus. We lift our focus to the hills from where our help comes from. Jesus, we praise you. We magnify you. Lord, it may be the middle of the week, and many of us may have come straight from work, and we're tired, but Jesus, we are here to receive your word. We are hungry for the bread of life, the word of life. In the name of Jesus Christ, your word says that when we gather together in your name, that you are there in the midst of us, so we know that you're already here. And God, you care about every single person that is under this roof tonight and everybody that might be listening or watching online in Jesus name we give you praise we give you thanks for all that you're going to do come on just because he's good why don't you praise him again 
Hallelujah. Amen. 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 I'm going to turn to the word of the Lord so you can remain standing just for a moment. We are going to be reading from the book of Jude, chapter 1 and verse 21. And then we're going to read from 2 Timothy verses, uh, verse 4 and 7. Jude 1, 21 and 2 Timothy 4 and 7. Amen. While you're turning there and the media team is uh, arranging that, just want to say what a privilege it is to be back with you on a Wednesday night. Amen. Thankful for what God did on Sunday for every person that he touched and refreshed and renewed. How many knows that Jesus makes all things new? Amen. Thank you for your faith and for believing that with me. And uh, we're so honored to be back with you tonight. Looking forward to what God will do tonight and Friday night. Looking forward to the service with the young people and all who are able to come. Amen. Amen. I really believe that God still moves on Wednesday nights. Amen. As cliche or silly or simple as that may sound, some of you may say, duh. Well, sometimes we need to be reminded because a lot of times for us, Wednesday is a long day of work, a long day of school, and we just come tired. And that's okay because we're human. Uh, but but we got to remember that no matter how we feel, God can still do something great in our minds and in our hearts. And God cares about every single service, every single service. God cares about it. So there may be some services over this month where we slow down and, and do more teaching. And your pastor's given me permission to do that. He told me to just do what I feel. So I will take him on his word for that. I uh, appreciate him uh, uh, trusting me to, to speak to all of you. And uh, other times we may, we may just rear back and just preach our guts out on a Wednesday night. You never know. But whatever God wants to do, that's, that's what I want. I want his will for every service. Amen. Jude 1, 21 and 2 Timothy 4 and 7, first uh, scripture reading says, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. But I want to focus your attention on the first part before the comma. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Let's go to the second passage, 2 Timothy 4 and 7. Amen. Give you just a minute to turn there. If you're there, say amen. All right. It says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. These are Paul's words, of course. And he said, I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith. Somebody say, I have kept the faith. Amen. I really believe tonight that whatever, whatever we need, God can accomplish it. God can do it. God can provide it. God can set us free. God can deliver us. I know it's, it's the church gathered here tonight, but if you're watching online or if you happen to be here and you've never, you've never been baptized or you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost or you just need deliverance or renewing, I'm here to tell you every single night that we are gathered here, God can do anything. God can do anything. Amen. What I want to preach to us about today, tonight, with the help of the Holy Ghost, is simply this. I'm a keeper. I'm a keeper. Would you look at your wife or your husband? Would you look at a family member and tell them, say, I'm a keeper? Come on, they might need to just be reminded of that. Tell them, I'm a keeper. Amen, amen. You can be seated tonight. Thank you for standing. One man said in an article that I read recently, he said, we're in the middle of a massive shift from an ownership model to an access and subscription model. He was talking about the society at large. We're in the middle of a massive shift from an ownership model 
which which was once was, to an access and subscription model. And he's referring to phones. He's referring to our vehicles. He's referring to homes, to music, etc. If you look around you, you will see that so many things are no longer owned anymore. So much of what we enjoy is no longer owned anymore, but we have a subscription to it. We used to own our tapes and CDs and music, and now we have monthly subscriptions. And most of us uh, have basically a, a, a lease or a rental or a, a subscription type of service uh, with our cars or, or, or with our homes or of course, with our phones, these days the companies discourage you from owning your phone and they want you to just live on a forever lease to their company. This is the world that we live in. We don't own things anymore. We just rent them. We just subscribe to a service. And can I just remind someone that it is easy to take things for granted that you do not own. It's easy for me to take things for granted that I do not own. And, and I just wonder, perhaps this is why our society today is so ungrateful. And I'm not talking about people in this church. I'm talking about society at large. Maybe this is why they are so ungrateful, because we don't make investments anymore. We just make subscriptions. And it's hard to be grateful for something that you don't really own. And it's hard to be grateful for something that you didn't work for. And it's hard to be grateful for something that you haven't invested in. But can I just preached to somebody tonight on a Wednesday night that it can never be this way in the kingdom of God. There is no kingdom subscription that you can just have one month and then cancel the next. There is no kingdom subscription that you can have one week and then you can just cancel the next. We must always own our walk with God. We must own our relationship with God. We must own our time with him. We must have ownership of our relationship with God. We must take ownership of our family. We must take ownership over our kids. We must take ownership over our investment into the church, into the house of God. We must take ownership over our relationships with our brothers and sisters. I'm just here to tell somebody that it's not time to just rent or subscribe. No, it's time to buy the truth. It's time to own it. It's time to say, I am a keeper. What I've been given, I'm going to hold on to it. I will keep the faith. I will keep myself in the love of God. I've been given too much for me to just let it go and slip through my hands. Is there anybody that feels that way that's willing to wave a hand and say, I'm a keeper. I'm a keeper of what God's given me. I'm a keeper of his goodness. Come on. Somebody praise him tonight if you're a keeper. And this is why you can be seated. Thank you. The scripture does not say rent the truth. The scripture does not say purchase a subscription to truth. And I'm preaching this because I believe God wants to take someone just a little bit deeper tonight. I believe that we are all vessels, amen, but, but some of us might be maybe through trials of life or whatever the cause, some of us can be, could be leaky vessels. Some, some of us could be, uh, have some holes maybe that God wants to plug and God wants to fill so that way we can keep all that he gives us. Because if we have holes in the vessel that we're unaware of, then things that God will try to give us will leak out of those holes. And blessings and things that God will try to bestow upon us, if we have inner things that we need to work on that we're not aware, then that some of that stuff will seep out. But I don't know about you, I want to be an effective keeper, so I want to plug up all those holes. I want to do whatever I need to do to go deeper in God and make sure that I am retaining and make sure that I am keeping all the things that God wants to give me. Amen. Proverbs 23, 23 says to buy the truth. 
We've heard this preached. If you've been in church for even five minutes, you've probably heard this scripture, and it's a powerful one. Buy the truth and sell it not. Amen. That, that's what happens when someone goes down in water in Jesus' name. They're making a decision. You know what? I want to buy this truth. I, I want to take on his name into my life. I want to be changed forever. But after you've made that decision, you still have to live a daily walk with the Lord, and you still got to make up in your mind, I am not going to sell what I've been given by Jesus Christ. I'm going to invest into the kingdom. I'm going to invest into the work of God. I'm going to invest into my relationship with God. Listen, can I just tell you, there are no rented redeemers. Amen. There are no salvation subscriptions. We have to be a keeper of what we have received. Amen. And, and, and people wonder these days why maybe they never see their full potential. Why it seems like other people are, are soaring towards the sky and, and they just feel like a shooting star. Maybe flame for a minute, but then flame out quickly afterwards. And they look around, why does that person get the blessing? And why does that person get to do this or do that? And I'm just here and, and, and we can get ourselves into these pity parties wondering, why, why did I not reach that place? And why am I not seeing my full potential? And, and I know every situation is different, but I, I would believe it's often because some people are not willing to die to themselves and then allow the process of rooting to take place. But I'm going to tell you something you already know. I'm going to just give you a simple meat and potatoes message, okay? That is the only way, rooting, allowing ourselves to root into the things in kingdom of God. That is the only way something beautiful and effective can grow. And I know our society these days has a hard time planting roots. And it's not just the young people. It's people of all ages these days in society. And we could go into all the different reasons. We already talked about some of them. But they're, they're, there's people have a hard time planting roots because there's all these different options and all these different things to consider and all, all these different, different avenues in different ways and so people have a hard time planting their feet on the solid rock of God and allowing roots to go deep into his presence deep into his kingdom that's the only way you will never know your full potential until you become rooted and grounded in Christ that's what the Bible says in Ephesians 3 and 17 I don't know about you but I want to be rooted in times that I feel like giving up in times that I feel like I'm too tired to preach in times that I'm questioning my calling you know what I'm not going to give up and throw it away. I'm not going to never pick up this microphone again. No matter how exhausted I feel, I'm going to say, you know what, God, I'm going to keep planting. I'm going to keep pushing because I want my roots to go deeper. I want my roots to spread farther for my ministry's sake, for my family's sake, for the kingdom's sake, for my for my lost loved one's sake, for the church's sake. I want to go deeper. I want my roots to grow. That's the only way I'm going to see my full potential is if I stay faithful and I keep trusting and I keep walking with Jesus Christ. Somebody praise him if you believe that. I'm a keeper. I'm a keeper. There is something at the risk of sounding really, really cliché. There is something about keeping. There is something about staying, even when the going gets tough. I'm sure the elders can sit there with a, with a smile on your face saying, yes, that's true. There, there is something about holding on, even when it seems like everything is being pulled from you, and even when it seems like life is passing you by and flooding by you and, and all kinds of chaos is happening. There is something about holding on to the ark of God, holding on to the presence of God, holding on to what you've been given and what's been spoken and planted in your life. 
This is why Albert Einstein, for, for those, well, I'm sure everybody knows who he is, but theory of relativity and E equals MC squared, that guy. That's why he said this. He said, a lot of people think that I'm so smart. And I'm sure he's being humble because he was smart. But he said, it's not that I am so smart. He said, it's just that I stay with problems longer. It's not that I'm so smart. It's just that I stay with problems longer. There's something about consistency. There's something about faithfulness. There's something about staying and keeping. Even when you don't even know how it's all going to work out, you say, I may not have all the talents, the anointings, the abilities, but I know that if I walk with Jesus and if I just stay long enough, if I just stay faith, if I just keep praying long enough, if I keep trusting long enough, if I keep doing my best to grow long enough, then guess what? I will get through this. I will be better than this. I will invent something new. I will create something new. But if I give up and if I throw away the talent, and if I give away my consecration and if I stop praying and if I stop believing and if I allow the world and the enemy to rob my faith and to rob my passion, then I will not see all the things that I want to see and I will not be all the ways that God wants to make me be. I will stay. I will stick. I will keep all that God has given me. Every word that's been planted within you, every, 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 uh, 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 time that that pastor or someone has come through here and preached a word and you know God's spoken to you and it touched you and tears came down your face and you felt the presence of God. It is up to us to keep what we've been given. Amen. And to not, and I know it's it's a human thing sometimes. Things can go in one ear and come out the other, but it is, it is up to us to say, no, I'm going to hold on to that word that God gave me. I'm not going to just let it go, forget what was said, and then try to come back a week later for another shot, for another dose in my arm. No, I want to keep what I've been given so I can build upon it, so I can grow, so I can get deeper, so I can get better. Hallelujah. I want to retain the things that God is speaking to me and to my church. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Luke 2 and 19, it says, But Mary kept all of these things and pondered them in her heart. And without going into the whole story, there was prophecies that were being spoken over her about her family, mainly about her son, of course, Jesus Christ, God in flesh. And there were prophecies going forth about Jesus. And the Bible says in Luke 2:19, but Mary kept these things and pondered them in her heart. She didn't understand everything. She didn't understand all of what was being said or prophesied, but she made up in her mind to keep what was being said. And Luke 2 and 51, you find this again. Amen. The Bible says, and when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, son, why hast thou dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. You see, they, they had uh, uh, left and gone on a journey and not realized that Jesus was not with them. And, and, and so they were worried. And finally they found Jesus. And the Bible says, he said unto them, how is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they did not understand the saying which he spoke unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them but his mother kept all these sayings in her heart she did not understand everything that was happening she didn't understand why her boy had to put her through so much stress and trauma being away from him for three days she did not understand everything was jesus was saying she didn't understand the words but she still kept them and can i preach to someone you don't have to understand all that jesus is doing in order to cling to jesus
You don't have to understand all that's happening in order to hold him tight. Even if you don't know how he's going to do what he spoke, you can still hold on to what he spoke. Even if you don't know how he's going to bring it to pass, you can still hold on to the word that he said he was going to bring to pass. Even if you don't know how it's going to happen, hold tight to the God that can make anything happen. Hold tight to the God that said, for with me nothing shall be impossible. Somebody praise him if you want to be a keeper tonight. Hallelujah. I want to be a keeper. I want to hold on. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to be a flaky Christian. I want to move from flakiness to faithfulness. I, that's, that's, not, that's not the way that I, I, I want to live. I, I, I want to keep everything God's given me, and I want to hold on tight to him. And even, even during trials and even during times of doubt and testing, I want to hold on to him with everything that I have. How many feel that way? I'm glad I'm preaching to a group of keepers that years ago you could have gave up. There's some elders. You've been through some trials, some maybe even more recently. You could have given up, but you're still here. You're still in the house of God. You're still worshiping him. You're still praising him. You're still, you've become a pillar of this church because of your faithfulness. That's the power of being a keeper. I want some of these young people to catch that and realize the power of staying. The pow- I know this isn't Pursuit Youth Conference yet, but catch the power of keeping, of staying. Hallelujah. Sometimes when all you can do else... You You can't think. You can't figure it out. You can't barely move. Life is stressful and traumatic. But if you can hold on, oh, hallelujah, Lord, help me to communicate what I feel. If you can hold on to what God has given you, the truth, the Holy Ghost, the power, the love of God, then you can make it all the way. And whatever you're going through and whatever might come your way soon will not destroy you. Amen. One man said this, the he, he, looked at, he looked at Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, in relation to keeping. And he said this, quote, the message of Hebrews chapter 10 and 11 to the church is this. If Abel, Noah, Abraham, and so on can endure the greatest persecution without ever having tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, as described in Hebrews 6. If these people, none of these people have tasted what we have, then what excuse do we have for abandoning the assembly? He said, what excuse, he's talking about the the audience and the author of Hebrews, what excuse could the congregation that has lived within a generation of Christ's resurrection and has the very presence of Christ himself, what excuse could this congregation possibly have for leaving the truth and leaving the assembly when those patriarchs of old endured far worse with far less tools and yet they still remained faithful? He said, Moses lived in the shadow lands where light was only a dream. Faith was his only substance and sustenance. And by reminding us in Hebrews that faith alone carried Moses through several decades spent in a wilderness, we as the reader are being asked to consider how comparatively little is being asked of us as citizens of the messianic age, as citizens of the age of Christ and salvation. If faith 
alone could carry the patriarchs. How much more can our faith carry us all the way to the day of the Lord? All the way to that day where Jesus stands at those gates and says, come in, well done, thou good and faithful servant. If they could make it in the wilderness and torn asunder without the Holy Ghost and without the Word of God, how much, how much more should we be able to hold on and to make it all the way through? Oh, somebody praise him if you believe that. Hallelujah. If the people of the Old Testament, in summary, could keep their faith, how much more should we be able to keep ours? You say, but preacher, the coronavirus, the pandemic, sickness, people we know and love that have passed away. Listen, I know someone right now that I really, I really uh, love and appreciate that's in the hospital right now battling the virus. I, I know it's real. I know it's tough. And all this stuff around the world and, and, the, and, the, and the government stuff and the political stuff, all we could go on and on to talk about it. And you say, but, but, but preacher, how can you preach this with all that's going on? All the more reason why I'm preaching it. All the more reason why I'm preaching it. We cannot allow ourselves to get weary in well-doing, not when we are fixing to probably reap the greatest harvest that we've ever seen because we're living in the last days. The word of God says the latter shall be greater than the former. We know that there will be all kinds of people waking up when they see the trauma that the world is going through. So we cannot afford to let go, and we cannot afford to get too tired. We cannot afford to forfeit our faith. We cannot afford to lose our passion about the things of God. We have to be ready to handle the harvest that God wants to give us. Can I ask someone, can you handle the harvest? Have you kept enough? Have you allowed the Lord to work on you enough for you to handle the harvest that God wants to give you in this church? Hallelujah. 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 But we get so distracted sometimes, and it's human. I'm not, I'm not, here, I'm not here to condemn anybody. Listen, condemnation... Condemnation is always from the enemy. It's never from God. If you feel condemnation at any point while I'm preaching, you can know it's from Satan, and you can reject it. And let me tell you the difference. Condemnation, condemnation destroys the part of ourselves that believes we can change. It's closely associated with shame. It's evil. You've got to reject it. Conviction is different. Conviction is always from God. Conviction reveals to us what we need to change, and shows us that we can, in fact, change that thing through the power of Jesus Christ. Condemnation and conviction are, are different. I just felt to clarify that. Reject the condemnation of the enemy, but accept the conviction of the Lord. We get so distracted. We get angry. We get bitter. We get jealous. We don't forgive. We get selfish. We get cynical. We get tired. And we start to give away some of the things God has given us and we start to lose some of the things and we start to develop holes in our vessel and we start to leak out some of the good things that God has given us. And we have to ask ourselves, we have to ask ourselves this honestly and I, it's going to seem like I'm going through some rabbit trails. Hopefully it'll all come together and make sense. But why, why do I think that I have a right to be angry? Yeah, have you ever asked yourself that? But you know, you know I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated, I'm angry all the time, I'm 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 bitter. My husband or my wife has a hard time talking to me. My kids don't want to be around me, whatever the case may be. Why, why do I think that I have a right to be angry and stay angry? 
Where along the line did this lie come in that, that, I, could just, that I could just give up peace and just give up peacefulness and just, just, just give up the, the good things and then step into this place where I just have a right to be angry? Why, why, why do I think that I have a right to complain? And we know complain can be a human thing. And the Israelites complained in the wilderness and they were sharply rebuked and there were consequences for it. Why do I think I have a right to complain? Why do I think I have a right to be bitter? Why do I think I have a right to isolate myself from the other brothers and sisters when I'm a part of this faith community and I need them and they need me too? Why do I think that I have a right to be jealous? Why do I think somewhere along the line that I have a right to be prideful, that I, that I have a right to whatever the thing might be, whatever the vice is, fill in the blank? Why do I think that this is somehow okay? If Jesus gave up his rights to save me, who am I to demand things from him and from others? And who am I to think that I have a right to be frustrated and angry and upset and tear people down and gossip about others? Who am I to complain about all the things that I don't have rather than focusing on the things that God has given me that I do have? If you, read about, if you read in Philippians, there's this beautiful poetic passage that Paul paints where he talks about how Jesus took upon the form of a bondservant. And there's, and there's this descending in the poem where, where God comes down to earth in flesh and, and takes upon the form of a bondservant and, and, and he died for our sins. And, and then, of course, there's the ascension where he rose from the dead and, and, and ascended back into heaven. It's a beautiful poem, I believe maybe in Philippians 2 or 3. But, but in that, it talks about how he took upon the form of a bondservant. And if you know anything about what that word means, it, it did not just mean that Jesus chose to uh, have less rights than everyone else. It actually means he chose to manifest manifest himself in a man and live a life on this earth where he had no rights at all. He was not just a lesser citizen is what I'm trying to say. He was considered a non-citizen. That's the status he took. Do you realize the creator of the world, he could have come in on a red carpet. He, he could have come in with legions of angels and the nicest clothes and Ferraris all around him and said, hey, I've arrived. I'm the king of kings and lord of the He could have been born into the palace and yet instead he was born in a manger living, having to live life on the run from an evil king that was in the palace. He could have been born on the throne. He could have endowed himself with all kinds of privileges and rights, but instead he chose to give them all up to die on the, oh, I wish somebody would still get excited about the cross. He gave up everything so you and I could be saved. He gave up everything so we could be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of our sins. He gave up everything so we could be filled with the Holy Ghost and changed forevermore. If he gave up all of his rights, what makes me think that I have a right to keep my anger? What makes me think that I have a right to keep my pride? What makes me think I have a right to keep my sin? Don't keep anger, keep the faith. Don't keep pride, keep the faith. Don't keep sin, keep yourselves in the love of God. Don't keep yourselves in jealousy and apathy and indifference. No, let God keep you in his presence. Let God keep you in his love. Somebody praise him right now. Hallelujah. I don't want to keep all those things that are going to that are going to be like toxins in my bloodstream. I don't want to keep all those things that are going to tear me apart and 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 I'll never see my full potential and worse I might hurt myself and hurt others if I keep these things that God has been asking for me to let go of. And it's not to hurt me, it's to help me. Even if sometimes it hurts to let go of those security blankets.
Sometimes we hold on to negative things and vices and sins and hurts for so long that they become like this security blanket and we don't want to let it go. And we think, God, you're trying to hurt me by asking me to let this go. You're trying to hurt me by asking me to forgive this person. Don't you know how much they did to me? Don't you know how many knives they put in my back? And Jesus says, oh, I know all about knives in the back. And I know about crown of thorns in the head and a spear in the side and nails in the wrist. Yeah, I know all about it. And yet the very people that crucified me, I died for them. And the same blood that I shed for you, I shed for them. And that's why, as proof of that, there was a Roman centurion near the foot of the cross who was not a believer. He was there to guard the body. He was there to do the opposite of what a believer would do. And yet, when Jesus gave up, uh, he, he died in the flesh, amen, this Roman soldier looked up at Jesus, and his eyes were open. He said, truly, this was the Son of God. He had a realization. He had a revelation, amen. Hallelujah. Jesus' name. Whatever the things are that you've allowed yourself to keep, the the unforgiveness, the, the frustrations, the, the, the bitterness, whatever it is, God has been asking you to let it go because he knows how much he can bless you. He knows how much better your life can be when you finally decide to let those things go. Why do you think the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive? Because when you give, then you position yourself to receive. When you give, you make room for all that God wants to give you. So give up the unforgiveness. Forgive whoever hurts you. Maybe it's somebody that's here tonight. Maybe it's someone who's not here. Maybe it's someone who's long been gone and sadly they're, they're in the grave so you can't have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with them but you're still holding on to words they spoke to you or things that they did to you or ways that they hurt you. Can I tell you now's the time to say, you know what? I'm going to be a keeper of the things of God but I'm going to be a releaser of the things that are not of God. I'm going to release those things that have kept me bound I'm going to release those things that have held me back too long so that way God can give me peace in its place and I can be a keeper of the peace. That way God can give me joy in its place and I can be a keeper of the joy. Whatever God has been asking you to surrender and give up, let it go. Be a releaser so you can be a keeper. Amen. Can I remind us as well tonight that we are also our brother's keeper. I told you we'd be hop, skipping, and jumping around a little bit. For those that don't know the story, there's the brothers, Cain and Abel, and, and of course, Cain, in a fit of anger, killed his brother. And the Lord asked Cain, where's your brother? Cain said, I don't know, am I my brother's keeper? Am I responsible for him? And of course, we know the answer. The answer is yes. And you failed your job, Cain. And you failed your task, uh, Cain. And you murdered your brother because you were jealous of him. Your jealousy and your bitterness overtook you so much that you murdered the one thing in your life that was actually challenging you to be better. Oh, hallelujah. That's, we got to make sure that when there's things and people in our life that, that actually challenge us to be better and they make us uncomfortable, that we don't, because of our un uncomfortability, take the knife and, and, and spiritually kill them and get them out of our life and remove them out of our life. We should not be murdering and taking out and killing the very things or people that challenge us to be better, that remind us that we could actually take a little step higher and do better with our lives. Amen? That, that's the spirit of Cain, that, that spirit that hates anything and anyone that, 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 that uh, reminds them that they are not where they need to be. 
And I don't want to have that spirit of Cain. I want to have the spirit that says, I'm my brother's keeper. I'm my brother. And you know what? If my brother's better than me at some things, and if my sister's better at me than some things, you know what? I'm not going to try to take them out. I'm not going to try to gossip about them. I'm not going to try to backstab them. I'm going to say, wow, I want to learn from you. How can I be made better? Yeah, show me your skills. Show me your gifts. Show me, show me how I can be better. I don't want to take you out. I want you to help me and change me. And then when you get higher and when you grow, then you can reach down to somebody else and help pull them up higher. But it's not going to happen if you spend all your time trying to stop and trying to kill all the things that are trying to challenge you and help you become better. Amen. We are our brother's keeper. We are our sister's keeper. Can I tell you, church, we need each other. We desperately need each other. Especially if the world grows wax, waxes worse and worse, we are going to need this community of believers. We are going to be totally transformed back into the church that was in Acts chapter 2 where they shared their time, they shared their resources, they pulled everything together, they fellowshiped and broke bread and continued in the apostles' doctrine. They were more unified than ever in Acts chapter 2. And Acts chapter 2 is our model, amen? So I want to be more unified than ever. If we're going to see the harvest that we want to see, if we're going to see the end time revival that God wants to give us, amen, we are going to have to be unified. We are going to have to dwell in the spirit, excuse me, in the, in the unity of the spirit. It's more than just a spirit of unity, okay? You, you can have a spirit of unity at a corporation, at a, at a, at a, at a Boy Scouts meeting. You, you, you can have unity with a lot of different things, but, but, but the unity of the Spirit is something that goes deeper and is more f- profound. I don't know about you, but, but, but I, I want to unify around what God is doing. I want to unify around what God wants. I, I want to step into the unity of the Holy Spirit, and I want to say, God, however you want to use me, I'm a part of this church. I'm a pillar in this church. I'm an important part of this church. God, I'm my brother's keeper. I'm my sister's keeper. God, how can I make the church better? How can I make my brother better? How can I make my sister better? How can we come together in unity instead of a separate, isolated parts? How can we come together and see a great work done in the kingdom of God? God. Amen. You can't be your brother and sister's keeper if you live in isolation. You can't be your brother and sister's keeper if you live always sectioning yourself off for whatever reason. No, they need you and you need them even if you don't, even if you don't see it right now. Even if you think all you need is me, myself, and I on my little island somewhere. No, you need the church, and the church needs you. And God designed this thing for us to work together. Why do you think Paul called it the family of faith or the household of faith? We're supposed to live and operate and act as a family. In these days, you know, the 21st century and Western Christianity, it seems that we've made church a lot more institutional when it was meant to be relational. I'm thankful for the building, and I'm thankful for that wonderful building project. That's miraculous. That's the will of God. But can I tell you something? You already know the church is more than a building. The church is not a building. It's a people. The church is an organism. Amen? We, 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 we are meant to be, the church was always meant to be relational more than institutional. So when people ask you about your church, what is your church like? There's nothing wrong with programs. And I'm sure thankful for the power, powerful moves of God we have on Sunday at an altar call. But, but, but that's not <laughs> what, we need, what we need to do. Instead of talking about our programs or the, all the different things we have going on, and there's nothing wrong with that, you know what would be really neat? When people ask us, what is your church like? We start talking about the people that are in the church. What is your church like, brother? Oh, it's great. There's a sister that's so kind and so loving. She'll be there at the door to shake your hand. You'll love her. She'll make you feel right at home. 
So, so what is your church like, brother? Oh, you'll love my church. There's a brother, Brother Dave over there. He makes the best brisket, the best tri-tip, and he loves people, and he'll invite you over to his house and feed you till you'll puke. You'll love my church. You'll love right? Because when people ask us about the church, we should remember it's more than a program or a building or an institution or an address, and I'm thankful for all those things. The church is the people of, of God that are sitting in these chairs around you. Hallelujah. So we are our brother and sister's keeper. I got to hurry. Listen, Joseph, I, I, I feel like the Lord directed me to this when I'm about to share with you specifically for this church. And I was reading the scripture today, yesterday, whenever it was. I was reading, just reminding myself of Joseph of Arimathea. Most of you know that he is the man, the wealthy man who was a disciple of Jesus. He was a member of the council of the Sanhedrin. So the very council that put Jesus to death and agreed together to crucify Jesus, he was technically a part of that council, except one passage in one of the Gospels explains that he was one of the few, if not the only one, that did not consent to the crucifixion of Jesus. He was a disciple of Jesus, and he went after Jesus died, and he went to Pontius Pilate and said, can I have the body of Jesus? Because I want to take care of it. And he took the body of Jesus at great personal risk. Okay, he, he was now identifying himself. Anybody that was watching would see this man was a Jesus follower. This man was a Christian. And at that time, you didn't want to be publicly known that you were a Christian because, you know, the leader of your faith was just crucified on a cross. And so he put his own life and reputation and, and reputational wealth, all of that at great risk. But he took the body of Jesus and he took care of it. He wrapped the body in fine linen as well as a mixture of the spices of myrrh and aloes that weighed about 65 to 75 pounds in total according to the book of John. That is a lot of spices. And listen, I'm going somewhere with this. In today's dollars, that would be around $200,000 worth of spices. That many pounds of spices, as you can already guess, was not necessary for one body. According to the Jewish historian Josephus, this would have been double the amount of spices that was used during the same time when they honored the highly respected leader Gamaliel. Double the amount they used for him. And that amount of spices was four times the usual amount that they would use for just an average person. Because you only use that many spices if you were burying royalty. You say, why'd you share all that, Brother Claiborne? I shared that because of this. Joseph of Arimathea took care of the body regardless of the cost and regardless of the inconvenience. He loved Jesus too much to not take care of his body. God, help us to become people who take care of your body, the church, at all costs. Help us to become people who take care of the body, who take care of the church, regardless of how much it costs us, regardless of how much it inconveniences us, regardless how hard it is and might be difficult at times, even if the people we're trying to love try to are a little bit difficult and unlovable. No, God, I love you too much to not take care of your body. I love you too much to not take care of your body. I love you too much to not love your body. I love you too, too much to not be there for my brothers and sisters when they're hurting. I love you too much, Lord, to not love the people that are in the same family as I am. God, help us to become people who take care of the body at all costs. We are a keeper. We are our brothers and sisters keeper. And we must, we must take care of one another. You can't take care of one another if we're, if, if, oh, you can't take care of someone and tear them down at the same time. 
I don't know who this is for. I'm way off my notes. I'm, I'm, I'm scattered like, a, like a, a, a rabbit on drugs or something, just hopping around all over the place, all right? I understand. But, but, but listen, you cannot take care of someone and tear them down at the same time. We cannot take care of the body of Christ and talk about and dish the body of Christ at the same time. And can I just tell someone, we have to remember, when we talk about the church, we're talking about another man's wife. Because the church is called the bride of Jesus Christ. And the church has a husband that is very jealous. And if you beat up, if you beat up on that bride and you talk about and beat up on the church, there's a jealous husband that will come to avenge his bride. I don't know about you, but I want to be careful with my mouth because I'm my brother's keeper. I want to be careful with what I say and what I do because I am called to take care of the body of Jesus Christ. I wish we would praise him for that right now before we go any further. Come on, let's receive that word that God has just spoken to us right now. Clap your hands just for a second. Let's praise them. Come on. I know this is different. I know it's a Wednesday night. It may not be all that you expected. Come on. Let's praise them. Somebody needs to hear this tonight. Hallelujah. I will be a keeper, Lord, of all that you've given me, and I will be a keeper for my brothers and sisters around me. Hallelujah. I will not be indifferent to their needs. I will not be indifferent to their problems. I will not be callous. I will not be uncaring. Hallelujah. Lord, I will love. I will care. I will be vulnerable. Yes, even if somebody talked about me. Yes, even if somebody did me wrong, too wrong don't make a right and I'm not going to continue to do what they did to me. Lord help me to love again. If I've been hurt and wounded and it's been hard for me to care, God help me to care again. If it's been hard for me to have passion because somebody did me wrong God help me to love and forgive them and help renew the passions for the things that matter in me. Come on, this is the truth of the word of God. Somebody praise him right now if you believe it. Hallelujah. Come on, let's just take about 20 seconds. Let's lift our voice before we go any further. Come on, let's praise him. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I'm going to move forward, and I'm closer to being done than you might think, but... If there's anything in your heart, anything that you need to forgive of, that you need to forgive someone for, if you've got bitterness, unforgiveness in your heart, I know I've parked here for a while because I just felt that somebody needs to hear that tonight. There's going to be an opportunity in just a few moments to come to this front, amen, to repent of that, to extend forgiveness, even if that person, like I said, is dead and long gone and you've harbored that bitterness in your heart, amen, you can still come to the front and say, God, I forgive that person that did me so wrong. If there's someone you need to go to and ask for forgiveness, if there's someone you need to go to and hug their neck and tell them you love him, you need to do it. You want to have revival? This is all part of having revival. This is the first part of having revival. Amen. God has to revive us first before we can see others revived and see the harvest that we want to see. Amen. I'm a keeper of all that God's given me, the truth, the doctrine, his power, his love, and I'm my brother and sister's keeper as well. And, 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 and coming to a close here, for our text that we read Tonight, I mentioned the first part of Jude chapter 1, and I intentionally left out the second part. But now we're going to read what the rest of the chapter says. Jude chapter 1, verses 20 through 25, we read the first part. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God. 
That's what we read. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And if some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. And then the scripture says this. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. And to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. The scripture tells us that we've got to do our best to keep ourselves in the love of God. And when we do our best to keep ourselves, there is a God that will move and will keep us as well. Can I tell you that, that it, when we say I'm a keeper, can I tell you that God looks down and he says the same thing about you? He says you're a keeper, he's a keeper, she's a keeper, I'm a keeper. He looks down at us and says, listen, I, I love you, I care about you, I know you're going through it, and if you would give yourself to me, if you would put your pain in its proper place, if you would make up in your mind to do your part, then guess what, honey, I'll do the rest. And God says, I'll keep you because you're a keeper, because you're valuable to me, because you're special, because I love you, because you're a daughter and son of God. God looks at you as well and says you're a keeper. God is not just mighty to save. I've come to remind someone that God is mighty to keep as well. God did not just save you to leave you alone. God is not just powerful to save. God is powerful to keep us as well. God's word didn't just create the world. His word actively sustains the word, world as well. That is why scripture says in Hebrews 1 and 3, he being Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. This is a, a paraphrased version. He is the image or the exact imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Do you see the same word that created the mountains is what keeps them from falling apart. The same word that created the oceans is what keeps them from devouring the land. His word does not only create, but it keeps. His word does not just save, he sustains as well. Well, and I've just come to remind somebody on a Wednesday night that he is also the God who is able to keep you from falling apart. He is the God that is able to keep you from falling into pieces when you feel depressed, when you feel anxious, when you don't know how you're going to make it another day, another week, another month, or another year. He's the God that will keep you from falling apart when you feel like you've lost your mind. Because he looks at you and he says, you're a keeper. I love you. I did not save you just to forget you. I'm working even as, you, as I speak. And just because the Lord, can I tell you, just because the Lord is sometimes silent does not mean the Lord is absent. The Lord is not absent from any of you. He is near to the brokenhearted. He is not far from any single one of you tonight. He is here to help you, to sustain you, to work on whatever you need him to work on. This is why Psalms 145 and 20, and this musician can come. Psalms 145 and 20 says, The Lord preserveth, he keeps all them that love him, but all the wicked will he destroy. He keeps all those that love him. Can I tell you, if you're someone that loves God, you don't have to be perfect. None of us are perfect, but I'm looking at faces of people who love God. I'm thankful that, that the love that you have in your heart for Jesus, and the Lord promises us that he will preserve and keep you if you love him. That means no matter what you're going through, no matter what is happening in your life, the Lord is strong enough to keep you. You need to get a revelation of your value tonight and realize how valuable you are in God. Even if others didn't want to keep you, even if others left you by the side of the road, even if others abandoned you, divorced you, separated from you, 
and, and, and they didn't think that you were worth keeping, Jesus looks at you and says, you are so worth keeping, and I'll never let you go, and I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. In Nehemiah chapter 9, verses 19 through 21, the great leader Nehemiah is reflecting on Israel's history, reflecting on where the Lord brought them from and what he had done for them. And this is what he said in Nehemiah 9, 19. This is the ESV version. He said, you and your great mercies did not forsake them in the wilderness. He said, the pillar of cloud to lead them in the way did not depart from them by day, nor the pillar of fire by night to light for them the way by which they should go. He said, you gave your spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manna from their mouth and gave them water for their thirst. For 40 years you sustained them in the wilderness and they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out and their feet did not swell. For 40 years you what? You kept them. You sustained them and they lacked nothing. God didn't just save them. He sustained them as well. He did not just lead them out. He also kept them close. And I've just come to remind someone with a very simple message that God will keep his people. Can anybody still get excited about that? God will keep his people. So all the things that you're worrying about, it's time to stop worrying. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all the things you need will be added unto you. Don't be distracted and take your eyes off of the harvest and the revival that God wants to give you because you're stressed out and depressed. Trust that God will keep you through the hell that you've been walking through. Because the same God that delivered you is the same God who is devoted to you. And the same God, oh, I hope someone's excited about this. I hope someone's excited about a God that radically loves them, a God who doesn't have to do what he does and didn't have to do what he did, but because of his great love, he saves us and keeps us. The same God that redeems you is the same God that remains with you, and the same blood that saved you is the blood that will sustain you. He's the God that looks at you and says, you're a keeper. Sis, you're a keeper. Brother, you're a keeper. And if you hold on to me, I will never let go of you. I feel like there's some tonight that are tired, you're weary. We already talked about it. I, I'm out of time, so I can't, I can't take too much more time. But for all these different reasons, you're tired, you're weary, you're worn out, you're exhausted, you're hurt, whatever it may be. Maybe it's just a few that I'm preaching to. But I really felt to pray. I'm going to invite us to come to the front in a minute. And I want to pray a prayer that virtue would flow back into you. And that virtue would flow back into the people of God. The people of God that are tired. The people of God that are weary. The people of God that feel like they don't have the strength to get out of bed in the morning. What you need is the virtue of Jesus Christ to flow back into you. What you need to do is take a touch of the hem of Jesus' garment. And allow his virtue to flow into you. So I want us, I want us to stand if we can. I want to invite us to come to this front, and I'm just going to pray a simple prayer over you, and I want us all to lift our hands and pray. If God spoke to you in any way, big or small, tonight, I want you to come talk to him. If there's some things you need to recommit to him, maybe you've, you've felt uneasy, you've been double-minded, maybe you've, you've wavered in some things in your heart, why don't you come to this front and commit to him, Lord, I'm a keeper, and I'm thankful that you see me as a keeper, and I'm thankful that I have brothers and sisters that I can help and keep as well. 
Hallelujah. Come on, that's it. Come and just lift your hands, begin to pray. And I'm just going to pray a prayer of faith over you. And if you are here and you need the virtue of Jesus in your heart, you've been exhausted and weary, I believe after this service, I believe from this moment on, for the rest of this revival and the upcoming months, you can have a supernatural strength that you have not felt in a long time. You can walk forward in faith. You can walk forward in boldness knowing that God will keep you, that he's working with you and on you. God will give you the strength to do all the things that you need and want to do. Lift your hands. Begin crying out to the Lord. Right now in the name of Jesus Christ, silver and gold have I none, but whatever I have, Lord, I give unto them. In the name of Jesus Christ, I bind fear and I lose faith. I bind depression and I lose joy and peace. I bind bitterness and I lose strength and joy. In the name of Jesus Christ, I bind unforgiveness and I loose in Jesus' name the power of forgiveness into the people's hearts. In the name of Jesus Christ, receive strength, receive peace, receive power, and receive the virtue and strength of Jesus Christ back into your heart and mind tonight. Somebody lift your voice and receive that prayer tonight. Somebody lift your voice and receive the strength and virtue of Jesus. He loves you. He's with you. He's here to help you. Turn your eyes towards Jesus and let him do what only he can do. Come on, if you feel like you got no passion in your heart, why don't you come to the front and say, God, renew my passions. If you feel cold, tired, and indifferent, ask the Lord to renew you tonight and he'll do it.
Come on, let's worship him for a few more moments. Hallelujah, there's a beautiful presence of the Lord in this house. Hallelujah, there's a beautiful touch of the Holy Ghost in this place. Hallelujah, we worship you, Jesus. 
We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, come on, somebody just feel after him for a few more moments. Hallelujah, he's not far from any of us. Hallelujah, we will find him if we search for him right now, if we feel after him. He's there. Hallelujah, we give you praise and glory and honor, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Amen, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Brother Claiborne, for preaching the word of the Lord. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise for the word of God. Amen. I love it. It's one of my favorite verses. Amen. We have a responsibility as he preached tonight to be keepers of the faith, keep ourselves in the love of God. Amen. To keep to keep on keeping on, as the old timers used to say. Amen. And, and, and what's powerful about that verse that he read at the very end Amen. Is that there are moments where you you lose strength? Can anybody attest to that? Where you just maybe you slip a little bit, or maybe you, you lose a balance, or you, your your tank starts running towards empty. Anybody ever been there? Amen. But what's beautiful about that is, as you keep yourself, He keeps you as well. Now unto Him that is able to keep you from falling. Man, we have a God that keeps us. I thank, I thank him for that. In moments when I cannot help myself, God is there helping me. Amen. He's an ever-present help in time of trouble. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise one more time. In Jesus' name, Stephanie received the Holy Ghost today. Let's give God praise. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. 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 There's no telling what God is going to do through the rest of this revival. Let's come. I want everybody to come and bring someone with you this Friday night at 8 p.m. Amen. Do whatever you got to do to come. Take an extra long lunch break. If you work not shift, do something. Just get to the house of the Lord in Jesus' name. Let's lift up our hands as we dismiss in prayer. Father, we love you. We are so grateful for this word. We're thankful for the spirit of God that we feel in this house. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your ability to keep us. Amen. To uphold us with your free spirit. We give you praise. We thank you, Lord, for filling Stephanie with the Holy Ghost. And we're thankful for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Hallelujah. Shake hands. Be friendly. Love one another.